Good morning. In today's headlines, wildfires in Canada spread east. Smoke from the out-of-control blazes is causing serious health concerns across the country and down into the U.S. We have the latest on the hazardous effects from the fires. President Biden vetoes a bill to overturn his student loan relief plan. The bill aims to block what Republicans call unfair. Find out about the bill's chances of moving forward. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis defends his decision to fly illegal immigrants to Democrat-run cities on a visit to the southern border. And does the image of Huckleberry Finn drifting down the mighty Mississippi bring a smile to your face? Find out about a man who followed his dreams and built a giant boat. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Thursday, June 8th. You know, Evelyn, I've never experienced an atmosphere like this before with so much smoke in the air. No, me neither. Although I have to say, I think Beijing would probably come pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's that's wild that it that they experienced that. And, you know, as for here, the only thing that even comes close was the summer of 2021 when that smoke was traveling thousands of miles here and made hazy skies in New York City. That's right. I remember that. And now New York City is said to have the worst pollution of any major city in the world because of this. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, medical experts say even if you're healthy, you should minimize your exposure to this wildfire smoke. So, yes, please be careful, everybody. And now we want to bring you updates on the cause of all this. Wildfires continue to blaze across Canada. Air quality has reached hazardous levels in some areas and spread into parts of the U.S., affecting millions of people. Canadian officials say the wildfire season is on track for its worst year on record. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the forest fires burning out of control. Wildfires are common in Canada's western provinces, but this year's flames have quickly spread east, making it the worst ever start to the season. Hundreds of uncontrolled forest fires continued to burn across the nation Wednesday, threatening critical infrastructure, forcing evacuations, and blanketing major cities like Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal with smoky skies. People across the country are being affected. We're seeing vulnerable people at risk, outdoor events cancelled, kids having to be kept inside at recess. Federal Minister of Emergency Preparedness Bill Blair says over 9 million acres have already burned and that around 240 of the roughly 400 wildfires currently burning are considered out of control. I want to assure Canadians that all orders of government are working closely together, including with our Indigenous partners, to ensure a coordinated and effective response. It's all hands on deck and it's around the clock. Blair estimated more than 20,000 people remain evacuated from their homes and communities as of Wednesday. So far, no loss of life from the fires has been reported. Authorities say over 500 firefighters are battling the blazes, with another 150 from the Army due to join soon. The impact on, on the air quality, not just in Canada, but right across uh, the eastern portion of North America, is, is very significant. Um, I think by all measures, this is perhaps the worst year that we have experienced with wildfires as long as we've been keeping records. Over 100 million people in the U.S. have been warned about unhealthy air quality. At least 13 states have issued air quality alerts because of wildfires burning in the Canadian province of Quebec. The FAA issued a ground stop at New York City's LaGuardia Airport Wednesday due to haze from the smoke. It was lifted later in the day. New York Governor Kathy Hochul recommended that New Yorkers cancel all outdoor activities. The normal air quality index, safe, normal, is 50. Parts of our state have seen a level of over 400 in the last 24 hours, 
and that is a dangerous situation. Major League Baseball put off games in New York and Philadelphia. City officials in Philadelphia declared a code red alert and urged people to stay indoors. When I got back from school, my, my head was hurting. I don't know. I was just having really bad headaches and then my nose started bleeding. A smoky haze was cast over parts of Washington, D.C., with iconic landmarks like the Lincoln Memorial and the Capitol building shrouded by smog. The White House said Wednesday areas affected by smoke will get the support they need. The Environmental Protection Agency, CDC, and FEMA are coordinating with state, local, and tribal governments to get timely and accurate information out to communities about local air quality conditions and what steps they can take to protect themselves. People in impacted areas are being encouraged to listen to state and local officials and take precautions, especially those with health conditions. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The White House says Biden offered Canada additional resources yesterday. The U.S. has sent over 600 firefighters and personnel to help with the response so far. Eastern Canada's wildfire activity is expected to die down in July. Western Canada, however, is at an increased risk of forest fires this summer. A small group of GOP House members staged a mini-rebellion yesterday. Eleven Republicans, mostly from the House Freedom Caucus, voted against House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on a procedural rule. That effectively blocked consideration of several GOP bills related to gas stoves and regulatory reforms. House GOP leaders canceled scheduled votes for the rest of the week. Here's McCarthy after meeting with some of the disgruntled conservatives yesterday. We got a small majority. Uh, there's a little chaos going on, but uh, the focus I always keep is right in front of the windshield, the American public, and we're going to work to solve the American public's problem. Some people want their certain bills up at a certain time. Um, we're just going to work through the agenda and get everything done. Representatives Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert were among the conservatives that joined with Democrats to vote no on the rule. They have expressed distaste for the debt limit bill negotiated by McCarthy and President Biden. Gates tweeted out, House leadership couldn't hold the line. Now we hold the floor. Boebert replied to that tweet with, hold the floor. McCarthy says House members will be back Monday to make up the work. Fox News is accusing former anchor Tucker Carlson of breach of contract. This is after he released his new show on Twitter Tuesday evening. Here's the story. According to a copy of a letter obtained by Axios, Fox News on Wednesday told Tucker Carlson's lawyers that he violated his contract with the network when he launched his own Twitter show a day before. Effectively Russian. Fox News General Counsel Bernard Guger reportedly said in the letter, pursuant to the terms of the agreement, Mr. Carlson's services shall be completely exclusive to Fox, and that Fox expressly reserves all rights and remedies which are available to it at law or equity. This sets the stage for a potential lawsuit against Carlson and a further escalation of the conflict between him and Fox News. Carlson's lawyer told Axios that any legal action by Fox would violate Carlson's First Amendment right to free speech. His legal team said now they want to take Tucker Carlson's right to speak freely away from him because he took to social media to share his thoughts on current events. Carlson posted the first episode of his new show on Twitter Tuesday evening. In it, Carlson explored the collapse of the Kahovka Dam in Ukraine and questioned U.S. support for Ukraine. The program lasted roughly 10 minutes and gathered over 93 million views by Wednesday evening. Florida Governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis visited the southern border yesterday and defended his policies on illegal immigration. This is after he sent illegal border crossers to California by plane last week. Here are the details. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis visited the border city of Sierra Vista, Arizona on Wednesday. He met with local law enforcement officials to discuss the border crisis. This came a day after Florida acknowledged it had overseen two chartered flights of illegal immigrants from Texas to Sacramento, California last week. You see the, the damage that's been done um, at the southern border. Uh, we've been hearing about this problem for many, many years, uh, many, many decades, and yet it's probably as bad as it's ever been uh, right now. Uh, I think that this has been a massive dereliction of duty by the, by the president. Uh, DeSantis defended his decision to fly illegal immigrants to Democrat-run cities. He said the flights diverted such immigrants from traveling to Florida, and he blamed states such as California for policies he said encourage illegal immigration. I don't know how you could just sit there and let the country uh, be overrun with millions and millions of people coming illegally and massive amounts of drugs coming in uh, that are having a profound impact on communities all across this country. California Governor Gavin Newsom threatened DeSantis with kidnapping charges over last week's flight. However, the Florida Division of Emergency Management sent an email to NTD saying the migrant relocation was voluntary. Meanwhile, DeSantis announced that Florida will partner with sheriffs and like-minded governors nationwide to provide resources to help secure the border. The Florida governor has made border security a central focus of his presidential campaign. And now let's get to some short headlines from around the world. President Biden has vetoed a bill to overturn his student loan relief plan. Under Biden's plan, taxpayers would have to foot the bill for up to $20,000 of debt for millions of student borrowers. The bill was introduced by Republicans with support of some moderate Democrats. A two-thirds majority vote in the House and Senate is needed to overturn the president's veto. Political observers say it will be difficult to obtain. U.S. Representative Chris Stewart submitted his letter of resignation yesterday. The Utah congressman said he will leave office on September 15th. He first announced his plans last month due to his wife's illness. Stewart's resignation will reduce the GOP majority in the U.S. House to just four seats. And staying in Utah, some parents and Republican lawmakers led a protest at Utah's Capitol. It came after a suburban school district announced it had removed the Bible from some schools. The removal followed a committee's decision which claimed the Bible was inappropriate for young children. The parents and people of faith argued that any content in the Bible should be judged in context. The CDC issues a warning after it confirmed three cases of a deadly bacteria. Burkholderia pseudomali has been declared endemic along the U.S. Gulf Coast. It's found, it's found in, con in contaminated soil and water. The bacteria can cause the potentially deadly condition known as melioidosis if not treated. The State Department has issued a travel advisory for Americans looking to visit the Dominican Republic. The advisory follows an increase in violent crime and sexual assaults in the holiday destination. The yellow flag level two advisory issued Tuesday urges travelers to exercise increased caution and maintain that resort areas are better policed. Coming up, a doctor and an educator are sounding the alarm on movements like CRT, BLM and queer theory. They say they don't have America's best interests at heart. The U.S. dollar dominates all of the world's currencies, but could that change? That's what lawmakers are trying to find out. Get that story and more after the break.
Welcome back. FBI agents are expected to transfer Joran van der Sloot to the U.S. today. Van der Sloot is the prime suspect in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. She's the Alabama teen who was last seen with the Dutch National and two others 18 years ago in Aruba. Van der Sloot was indicted in 2010 on U.S. federal charges of extortion and wire fraud. That was in connection to a plot to sell information about the location of Holloway's remains. A team is expected to return to Alabama with Van der Sloot on Thursday after he is turned over to U.S. authorities. He's been held at a Peru prison since 2012 when he was convicted and sentenced to 28 years in prison for the murder of 21-year-old Stephanie Flores. Holloway's remains have never been found, and in 2012, a judge in Alabama declared her legally dead. Moving on to some culture war topics, including critical race theory, queer theory, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Are these ploys in a communist toolkit to dismantle Western society? NTD's Daniel Monahan spoke with Dr. Panina Mintz and educator Paul Lund from the No Left Turn in Education organization to learn more about an alleged plot against America. Israeli native Dr. Panina Mintz is a molecular and cellular biologist with two postdoctoral fellowships and a member of No Left Turn in Education. The organization's mission is to revive objective thinking in education and to restore the role of the parents as the primary authority of their child. According to Mintz, no one cares more about children than their parents. Mintz says parents are the fabric that holds society together. Once we break that family unit, the children are very vulnerable and now can be taken advantage by others that are not their parents. According to Mintz, critical race theory has nothing to do with diversity, equity, or inclusion, and everything to do with excluding certain groups. So if you are a brown or black-skinned child, they tell you uh, that you're oppressed. If you're a white-skinned child, they tell you that you're privileged. And that's the worst abuse that you can do against a black child, a brown child, or a white child, is to give them uh, guilt and lies that they have no clue about. We don't judge people by skin color. We don't judge people by their appearances. The same way we don't ju uh, judge people by their hair color, okay? Mintz says movements like CRT or Black Lives Matter don't strive for equality of opportunity, but rather equity. Equity means that everybody has to have the same outcome, no matter who you are. According to Mintz, BLM is a Marxist movement. One of the um, line items in their mission is to dismantle the nuclear family. Uh, and if you look at Marxist movements, uh, both in China and in Russia and so on, the first thing that they did is they targeted the children. And once they were able to brainwash the children and turn them against their parents, that's how they were able to ha uh, hold on and control society. Mintz says another part of the Marxist plan is to dismantle the concept of male and female in order to break apart society through queer theory. And now you can just make up whatever you want to be. You want to be uh, whatever gender in your, your brain, right? And, and then you can just force the other person to lie to you. The other person knows that you're either a male or a female, but now you're forcing the other, it's compelled speech. According to Mintz, all of these are just tools in a communist toolkit to dismantle every part of our society. No left turn chapter director Paul Lund. How do we, we create as much division among different groups of people? It's, it's women and, and men, it's black and white among the races. As for the way forward, both Mintz and Lund call for removing one's kids from public school and pressuring politicians so that parents can use tax dollars for homeschooling or other alternatives. 
as a market for more um, disenchanted parents uh, grows, there's going to be more opportunities to find alternatives. The pair say that creating a parallel system of education will force government schools to compete. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Could the U.S. dollar lose its place as the king of currencies? If it does, it'll have a strong impact on America's economy and national security. Lawmakers just held a hearing to address this question. Entity's Colin Fredrickson has more. Is the U.S. dollar's status as the king of currencies at risk? During a congressional hearing, experts said yes. Short term, I think the risk is that we continue to see diversification away from the dollar. Longer term, I think the, the bigger risk is that foreign investors no longer perceive the United States federal government debt to be as safe and risk-free as it is today perceived. Tyler Goodspeed is a fellow at Stanford University. He says that having the world's dominant currency is a net benefit to the United States. Right now, the U.S. dollar is the entire world's reserve currency. This means that out of all the currencies in the world, central banks worldwide have decided the U.S. dollar should be the major currency in their reserves. Right now, the dollar makes up 60% of all their reserves. This allows the country to borrow more, dominate the financial markets, and have global influence. But China has said this is a form of financial hegemony that's bad for the global economy. In my view, Chairman Xi poses the most serious threat. He has a vision of China as the Middle Kingdom to which all of the nations on the periphery ultimately will pay tribute. Marshall Billingsley is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. He says countries like China, Russia, and Brazil all want to topple the dollar's dominance. He believes China wants its own currency, the yuan, to become the king of currencies. But that's very unlikely in the short term for two reasons. One, China's a currency manipulator. And so people who hold the yuan are also holding a lot of risk that it may not have the same value tomorrow that it has today. And two, they have a very restrictive uh, 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 capital uh, outflow uh, regime that basically prevents you from moving currencies out of the country. Meanwhile, the U.S. dollar is still strong. 88% of all transactions worldwide are done with the U.S. dollar. It's still considered the safest and most liquid asset in the world. Alan Fredrickson, NTD News. Coming up, one of the world's most active volcanoes is erupting on Hawaii's Big Island. It's the second time this year after the last eruption ended three months ago. And a group of killer whales was spotted off California's coast. See the unusual sighting and more after the break. Good to have you back. Is the life you're living the one you truly want to live? In our next segment, you'll meet a man who refused to settle for less and dared to dream a big dream. Doug Jackson spent many long, hard years working in IT. One day, he had a realization. You know, I, I, it dawned on me that we're all going to live and then die. And if we want to do something, we better get on with it and do it. Jackson was a fan of Jacques Cousteau growing up and loved flying airplanes with his dad, who was a very adventurous person. But he realized that tucked away in a cubicle, he was not living that kind of life. He wanted to do something scary, as he put it, and so he decided to build a big steel boat. It's just a huge taking a risk. Uh, I don't think we often take risk enough anymore. Everything's kind of set and programmed for us. It's like, this is the path we want you to go down. This is what you should do. And this is the safe thing for your family and everything. 
He started on a parcel of land near his office in Tulsa. With a steel yard next door and a scrap yard across town, materials were handy. The idea was to sail the boat by river all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Logging his boat building exploits on YouTube, Jackson attracted kindred spirits from across the globe. Many trekked to volunteer as they wanted to be a part of something. It's important, I think, if you want to do something, that you get in with the right crowd. You know, if you want to become a loser, you get in with a bunch of losers. It works 100%, I know that. You know, if you want to be adventurous and build things, you get in with people that are adventurous and build things. And so I've met people who I admire greatly and have made uh, friends out of them. So they are, they're essentially my family now. Jackson formed lifelong friendships with many of them, including Vietnam veteran Bart Robinson, and found help from Francis the Hobo, who roams the country by rail and makes things merry with his music. Jackson's loyal internet following also assisted in his quest to scavenge for the right parts. Thus, Jackson's boat Seeker was dubbed the boat the internet built. The construction took over 10 years. Jackson sees magic in each person, believing everyone has a talent, ability, or desire within them. I think that is something that I want to share to everybody. I want to encourage them. Don't wait, don't put it off. Jackson says if you fail, that's just a sign that you're out there putting it on the line. You know, the society we live in has such a stigma against failing. They see it as an issue that to be avoided, and it's not an issue to be avoided. It's something to be encouraged. I mean, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. You haven't picked something big enough. But if you fail occasionally, that's fantastic. You know, all you just need is the, the gumption to, to go back, see what you did wrong, make a modification, and do it again. Never quit. When Seeker was almost complete, Jackson quit his job and sold his property in Oklahoma. And before he knew it, the Dream Dove River journey began. First into Arkansas, then down the Mississippi, and one year and 1,200 miles later, Jackson found himself just a right-hand turn from the balmy Gulf of Mexico. Jackson hopes Seeker will be a free charter for scientific instrumentation and researchers. He says he'll be happy to take the boat wherever they need to go, whether that's for oceanography, archaeology, or even wreck hunting. The main thing for Jackson is just not to be bored. You know, Evelyn, the hull kind of reminds me of those ironclad ships used in the Civil War. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah, I mean, what an adventurous guy. And here is our, uh, by the way, here is our quote of the day that I picked up from him. Oh. If you're not failing, you haven't picked something big enough. Ah, that's a Deep, really huh? good point. Yeah. All right, over to Hawaii now, where one of the world's most active volcanoes, Kilauea, has erupted again after a three-month pause. Hawaii's Volcano Observatory detected a glow yesterday at Kilauea Summit, indicating an eruption. Webcam images show a bright glow in the sky. The U.S. Geological Survey says the lava flows are currently confined to the crater floor. The USGS also said it's elevating Kilauea's aviation color code from orange to red as it evaluates the eruption. Kilauea last erupted in January with activities stretching into March. The volcano is located within a closed area of Hawaii Volcanoes National Park on Hawaii's Big Island. An eruption in 2019 led to the destruction of several hundred homes and businesses. The USGS says any hazards will be reassessed as the current eruption progresses. 
what a sight. Let's just hope that there won't be any damage this time around. Yeah. Well, we keep you updated and we're staying in the Pacific, but moving to California, where an unusually large group of killer whales was spotted off San Francisco's coast. The group of around two dozen orcas was spotted by a whale watching boat tour last month. The whales were likely together celebrating a kill of sea lions or seals near the Farallon Islands, about 30 miles west of San Francisco. They're more commonly seen 75 miles south in the deep canyon beneath the Monterey Bay. They can be spotted anywhere from the coastline to just five miles offshore. A local marine biologist says they are more easily spotted in Monterey Bay as it's closer to the beach and the waters are deeper. Marine biologists say killer whales are highly social animals. Individual whales tend to stay in their original pods, which typically consist of two to 15 animals. Larger groups sometimes form for temporary social interaction, mating, or concentrations of food. But that's it for today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com. Write us if you want. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.